when Hillary and Lindsay sing, I feel like I'm in the throne room of heaven, just saying. Um, so I'm so excited to be here. Um, first off, if anybody doesn't have a sheet of paper, please hold your hand up. We're going to pass those out for you. But while they're doing that, um, man, I've been looking forward to this for what, a month and a half? And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I did not want to preach on Amos the first time. It's actually, actually, Jeff messaged me and said, hey, we're doing a series over minor prophets. Do you, want to, do you want to speak? I said, sure, why not? And in my head, I said, God, don't let me preach on Amos. So I'm preaching on Amos tonight. But, but so, I mean, I'm excited for you guys. But before anything else, I always, always, always have to give honor where it's due. Thank you, Pastor Joel, Pastor Jeff. Man, you guys, you're an inspiration. Every time I get done talking with you guys, I either feel like I got my tail between my legs or I feel like I'm encouraged or challenged. <laughs> the majority of the time, it's encouraged and challenged, but you know, you still have those very few moments. But um, I'm gonna honor you guys, the congregation, man. You think that anybody is the face of TWBC, it's you. Amen. Everywhere you go, people see TWBC, they see Jesus, and you guys are absolutely amazing. I hear all over, just testimonies of what you guys are doing. I hear stuff in Walmart that happens. I hear that the youth is going to Walmart and doing outreach ministry. I mean, man, it's amazing. And that's what we're talking about today. But I'm just so excited to be here with you. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for being here to be with Jesus when you could be anywhere else. I always love seeing people on Wednesday nights. You could be anywhere else. But let's jump right into it. We're going to talk about holding faith in God and love for people. And we're gonna, I'm just going to give you a little brief background on Amos, and then we're just going to get going. Sound good? Amen. All right, awesome. Amos was a faithful farmer and sheep breeder in Tekoa. During this time, Uzziah was the king of Judah, and Jeroboam II was the king of Israel. This, uh, this prophecy occurred two years before the earthquake. Amos is the third minor prophet. King Uzziah ruled from 783 to 742 B.C., and Jeroboam II reigned from 786 to 746 B.C. Because of Amos' information given about the earthquake and also his mentioning of an eclipse, scholars have been able to state his writings um, that they were in 763 B.C. And actually, they, they go on, just, just a little side note. This guy, it makes me laugh every time I think of how he did his prophecy. He actually, they say that he basically could have just walked in, told them how it was, dropped the mic and walked right out. I mean, it was, it was literally a day. It wasn't even, and that blows me away. So um, anyway, Amos lived when Israel's economy was flourishing. Israel's best known enemy at the time was Assyria. The Israelites were in their golden age, but were about to fall into the darkest hour because of pride and sin. During this time, the Israelites were falling away from God. The money and success they were experiencing took them away from acknowledging God's benevolence. They began to make golden calves and idolize money. The Lord had Amos speak on three main categories of sins that Israel was committing at that time. Social injustices, religious hypocrisy, and rejection of God. Sounds like that's still going on today. Amos 5. I'm, I'm going to read just a couple verses and we're going to pray. Um, it says, Seek me and live. But do not seek Bethel, nor enter Gilgal, nor pass over to Beersheba, nor Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph, and devour it with no one to quench it in Bethel. You who turn injustice to wormwood, and lay righteousness to rest in the earth. 
Now we're going to read verses 14, 15. It says, Seek good and not evil, that you may live, so the Lord God of hosts will be with you. As you have spoken, hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to share your word. Jesus, I just thank you that your word says that the kingdom is not in word, but of power. So, Father, I thank you that people will demonstrate the power of God whenever they leave this place, Father. I just ask, Lord, that you would touch people's hearts, that if repentance needs to happen, they change their thinking, Father. That we would go out and we would represent the kingdom of God the right way, Father. That they would, know, they would, they would be known by their fruit. Jesus, I just, I, I break the religious spirit right now in Jesus' name that is in this building. Father, I thank you that people will be set free. I thank you that people will be commissioned and um, challenged and convicted to go out and to be the gospel everywhere that they go. Father, let people see the truth of the gospel through this message. Father, let people understand that there is, there, there is no longer going to be a filter in the church. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So... As you see, Israel, they dealt with a lot of religion. They dealt with a lot of, well, this is the way I see it if it were today. Well, if I go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays, if I do my good deeds, I'm going to make it. But I can keep getting all the money I want. I can worship anything I want. As long as I have Jesus, as long as I have God in the back of my mind, I'm good. But verses 5 and 7, it tells us, seek me and nothing else. Quit seeking riches. Quit seeking idols. Quit seeking other people. Quit seeking who's going to hang out with you the next day so you can get approval from man. I mean, you can go on and on. That's what Israel was doing. But religion's not a cloak for your sin. It's not a cloak for your sin. Am I, am I buzzing? Okay. Okay. It's not a cloak for your sin. So many times we think that if we go to church and we do all these good things that we're okay. And I'm not, I'm not trying to take away your salvation. Don't, don't get me wrong. Before I go any further, I want to tell you guys, I'm speaking in love. But this message is heavy on my heart. And I'm going to lie to you, I've cried and cried and cried making this message, man. So please, don't walk out of here thinking I hate you. Don't walk out of here thinking that I'm against you. Don't walk out of here thinking I'm saying your life is just wrong. I'm here to show you what walking like Jesus is like. And I had to preach this to myself before I could preach this to you. So please don't think that I'm just throwing something at you. Amen? You with me? Awesome. We're going to go to the first point. The first point is that's not in my book. Look at your neighbor and say, that's not in my book. Amen. So I'm going to kind of speak to the women a little bit because guys won't be able to relate to this. I used to read books. I read The Fault in Our Stars in one day. No guy's going to be able to relate to that other than me. So, the fault in our stars, that, that cancer, that cancer, I didn't have faith in. So, um, anyway, so, but I read the fault in our stars, and then I went and watched the movie with some friends. I was amazed. I said, this is a great, great book. So, went to watch it. I was mad. I said, man, this is nothing like the book told me. Not a single thing. Like, they didn't even talk about Isaac. If you've seen The Fall in Our Stars, you know what I'm talking about. They didn't even bring him up. They didn't even act like he was important. It's my favorite character in the book. It's a blind guy, if you don't know. It's no faith, right? Okay. But it showed me. I said, man, I'm just so frustrated that this isn't in the book. So another example, I went with some friends in high school. We went and saw, you're going to, I'm speaking to women again. I went and saw Breaking Dawn, part two. Yes. The only book I read with Twilight was Twilight. Then everything got too romantic. So 
So it's okay. I saved myself before I couldn't. Um, man, all these guys are laughing. Hey, I'm free from you. That's all that matters. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm at this movie, and I'm not going to lie. I wasn't looking forward to it because the first part was horrible. It was just a bunch of romance and someone being pregnant. I, I'm, I'm not going to go in depth. But um, so I'm watching. If you haven't seen it, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert, but you probably won't watch it if you haven't watched it yet. Um, there's this one scene at the very end, and they're in this snow field. It looks like a battlefield. You got bad vampires on this side. I'm preaching about vampires at church. <laughs> Other vampires, on the, the good vampires on one side, and then they're with werewolves. I know. But the next thing you know, they go to the middle of the battlefield. They're walking. Everything's calm out, and just something, everything just breaks loose. Like, the vampire's head, the, the main boss, good vampire, gets his head knocked off by the other one, and my mom and I are in the movie theater, and some kid screams, no, like yelling. I'm going, what in the world? Well, I went another time with some friends as well. I've got two girls sitting beside me, and as I'm, as I'm watching, I'm thinking, oh, man, this is awesome. What guy wouldn't want to watch this? People are dying. Werewolves are eating people. This is great. But then I keep hearing them in the background. They're just griping. And I think, what are, they, what, what are they complaining about? This is so silly. This is the best part of the movie. This is the only part that I'm actually not talking in. Now they're talking. So next thing you know, it's just a vision. The woman said, if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen to you. So they walk away. But all I kept hearing from these girls was, that's not in the book. That's not in the book. This is stupid. This, doesn't, this is not anything that happened. It just ruined the whole movie. So it got me thinking. The Holy Spirit reminded me of this a little bit earlier. And he, he put this great illusion because... There's so many times when we read the Bible, when we talk about the Bible, when we know what Jesus commanded us to do, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, but we don't walk it out. So I want to ask you, how many times does God say, that's not in my book? How many times have we lived this lifestyle where, he's, where we're reading it, we know what it says, but we don't do anything of it? We look just like Israel. So tonight, I want to I talk to you about certain things of, you know, what has the church been saying? Not everybody, but what, is, what have people been saying in the church of these quotes that aren't even biblical? What's the church been doing of seeing the world and being the church, and what haven't they? So we're going to talk about the first part. And I just want to, I want to read James chapter 1, verse 21, 24. It says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So a lot of times... Where either we hear the word and we don't act. And that goes with what I said earlier, 1 Corinthians 4.20. The kingdom of God, it's not of word, but it's of power. There's so many times we hear words, but it goes through one ear and not the other. It's basically what this is saying. You look in a mirror and you walk away and you forget what you even look like. You forget the image of Jesus that you carry. So there's a lot of sayings that people use, and we do act on them. And it's not true. I'm not going to hit all of them, but I am going to hit some that just stick out. It's, it's going to mess with some of you, but it's not, it's not because it's wrong. It's because it's been told wrong, incorrectly. Amen? Amen? All right. Pastor Joel already hit on this. God won't give you more than you can handle. So I'm not really going to say much, but I mean, if you think that you can do, if you don't think God, 
If you don't think God will give you more than you can handle, you believe that you're God yourself and you can trust in yourself and your expectations are in yourself and your expectations are to be in God alone. Simple as that. We always have to have our trust in the Father. We can't ever trust ourselves. I mean, we can trust ourselves, but when our belief becomes in us instead of Him and that we can do everything on our own, that's when it gets a little uneasy. Hey, I forgot that object. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, squirrel. Ministry's a marathon, not a sprint. I hear that all the time. When it, I've only been following Jesus for three and a half years. So I've heard it again and again and again. Ministry's a marathon, not a sprint. Be careful. You're going a little too fast. You need to calm down. In 2 Timothy, it says it's a race. So if anything, sprint and marathon are not in the Bible, but race is. And as far as I know, in a race, I'm not just going to jog. I'm going to run after it. No one's going to tell me differently. Some of you have been told that, and it brought your faith down. But let me tell you tonight, that's not who you are. You're running a fight of faith. You're going to finish it, and you're going to finish that race in first place. I had another person tell me one day, I was, I was spending a lot of time um, in the Word. Like, I didn't even come out of my room. I'd go to work, come home, and stay in my room, just so heavily in the Word. Man, I would just feel God's presence in there. I'd be listening to sermon after sermon after sermon, worship song after song, and reading just chapters and books of the Bible. And I told someone just about stuff that I was getting. They said, hey, if you don't calm down, you're going to burn out in ministry. The thing is, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, you can't burn out in ministry if you stay intimate with your father. Because revelation will never stop. He'll never stop giving you mysteries. He'll never stop revealing heaven's wonders. He'll never stop revealing this father's son who loved you so much. You're never going to understand how much it really costs for him to take that cross. So unless you get to a point like that, you're never going to remember. You're never going to get to a point where you burn out. And I promise you, you won't. I promise you, you won't. If you do, the motives are wrong. You with me? Amen. Here's one that I just want to, this is just something that I really want to cover. It's not really anything related to these, but people say a lot of times that, this is a little teaching part, Muslims, God is dead. I just want to hit that real quick because we want to, we want to reach everybody. Amen? Right. right? How can we reach people if we go against their religion, but yet we don't say what's correct? I've heard, I've had a lot of people come to me. I've heard a lot of people say around me when they're ministering to a Muslim person, your God's dead. He's in the ground. So if you keep worshiping him, you're going to be in the ground as well. I just want you to go back later today for yourself. Read Genesis 21. It talks about Abraham. And you guys know Abraham and, um, why did I just go blank? Uh, yeah, her name. What's her name? Thank you, Hagar. I had it all day. Abraham and Hagar, they had a kid named Ishmael. It was out of sin. And then Abraham and Sarah, they had the son that God promised, and his name was Isaac. Isaac was the son of promise. They go down two different roads, though. When Isaac was born, Ishmael and Hagar had to go away. Abraham sent them off because that's what Sarah wanted. So next thing you know, Ishmael has descendants going all the way down. Isaac has descendants going all the way down. Isaac's descendants go to Jesus. Ishmael's descendants do not. The only difference is Ishmael and Isaac, it's the same God. So we have to understand that it's the same God. And if we want to love those people, we have to understand that they're, they're the, I, always, I believe they're the closest but the, the farthest away from finding Jesus. 
It's the closest but the farthest away. All right, the last one I'm going to hit on um, is, yeah. The Holy Spirit left the earth when the disciples left. The days of miracles are over. Man, you can just see my, it, I know the days of miracles are not over. I had someone, I sat down with somebody, and we were just talking about um, just different beliefs that people had about biblical stuff. And they said, Hunter, do you believe in divine healing? I said, oh, absolutely. I said, when you put your hands on someone's knee and you feel the bones coming together, when you put your hand on someone's throat that has strep throat, before they even get home, they text you and drive you, which I wouldn't advise, but they say that they're healed. Come on, man. So I looked at him and I said, well, let me ask you this, because they didn't believe that the gifts were accessible. I said, what about Paul? Well, he was a disciple, not one of the first 12. I said, he actually persecuted the first 12. But see, the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He says, greater things shall you do because I go to my Father. Let me tell you, I've seen some pretty great things that I don't even see in the Bible that happen today. It never, if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then his miracles will never end until he comes back. We have to understand that as a church, we've been called to have, and I'm going to say all gifts. Every believer can have all nine gifts. Amen? We just have to believe it. He said all these signs will follow those who believe. Lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. Cast out demons. It says to go, as you go, Preach the gospel. Preach the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, heal the sick. Cast out demons. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Yeah. That didn't end when Jesus went away. If it ended when he went away, then the kingdom wouldn't be here. Yeah. Then we wouldn't be saved. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? Yeah. We're going to talk about being conduits for Jesus. A conduit, it's a channel that allows anything to flow through. A water, electricity. It just allows a flow to keep going. And... I thought about this, and I thought, man, that's us. That's so us. In Ephesians 3, 1 to 9, it says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that, how that by revelation he made known to me, as a mis- known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read... You may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be his fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his grace of God. But, excuse me. I need to read. And partakers of his I'm so off. By his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift. Man, I've got to get bigger print. (laughs) And my contacts in too. By the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. God never stops talking. He never stops talking. This, this last week, I'm going to go a little bit more in depth in it in the next point. 
But he just rocked my world, man. Changed everything. Changed absolutely everything. And he made me understand that he's never done talking. We just stopped listening so much. I've, I've learned in the last three days how much he really talks to us. How much he really wants the mysteries to be revealed. And those mysteries are mysteries from heaven. They're, they're, they're mysteries from heaven that is for a certain person. Or it's for a revelation for somebody to receive. It's to give. It's not to hold on to. I've heard so many people say, no, no, if he gives you something, you, you wait till you get a release. The only time I wait to say something is if he says, no, I want you to wait till I tell you to release. Other than that, it's for everybody. How else? Why, how would we reach people? How would we preach? To, how could Pastor Joel stand on the platform and preach to people? It's all the mysteries of heaven. It's the mysteries of knowledge of, of the gospel. So that's the thing. So as a conduit, you got one, I mean, you got both ways. Water's going to go through this way, connect it here. It's going to go out this way. Makes sense, right? Cool. Here is what I, how I want to explain what the church looks like a lot of times. There's three ways. It's pretty simple. The first one, you know, as Christians, we're supposed to love God intimately and love people intentionally. That's it. It's it. That's all it takes. But there's a lot of times where we get this right here. And this, this all was me at one point, one point or the other. We sit here and we go, God, I'm just in your secret place. I love you so much. I thank you that you have knit me in my mother's womb. You know all the thoughts that you have about me, and they're greater than any grain in the sand on the earth. Father, I just thank you that you call me blessed. I call Israel blessed today because you blessed Israel. Use me today. Send me, according to Isaiah 6, and allow me to go into all the world to preach the gospel. Yes. Amen. You know, you leave, you leave your room. It's not, you don't leave your secret place. Your secret place should never leave you. Yeah. Amen. So you leave, and you, you go to Walmart. All right, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm ready to be a vessel. I'm here. I'm here. Hey, go, go pray for this janitor. Give him $40 and tell him that God's got a bigger plan, that there's going to be a season coming up in his life where he's got to make some decisions, but it's going to be the best decisions he's ever made. No, that's weird. <laughs> I told you to go. You said, you said send me. Yes, but I meant, you know, like if you want me to go to Costa Rica or if you want me to go to Argentina, you know where it's easier, where the language barrier, they don't understand, but they see you're white and you have blonde hair, so they're going to listen to anything you have to say. I'm being real. Send me, I just want to, I want to step aside real quick. Send me, it doesn't mean to send me around the world all the time. For some people, it can mean you're going to the Philippines. Some people, it means you stay in Sulphur Springs the rest of your life. If you don't let him send you whenever you're where you are right now, you're never going to go where you want to be. Come on. So I was so guilty. God, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to a third world country and I'll preach the gospel. Go to Walmart first. Yeah, come on. Ooh, I don't know about that. I am the world's worst. I would walk in and man, I would, I would pace. I'd be like, okay, I got this. I got this. Okay, Lord, if they'll come talk to me first. That's not how it works. They're not going to talk to you because I see you pacing in the middle of Walmart. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. And then we got the other way. We got the other way. Hey, man, when's the last time you read your Bible? Ah, oh, man, I'm busy, you know. I read like one chapter every two days. Okay. What's your prayer life like? I say my night prayers. I'm not discrediting your night prayers or your chapter two days, Okay. 
well, I know that if I do enough good, I know that if I go to church when I can, I know that if I smile at somebody and tell them, bless you, I'm gonna go to heaven. I know that I get enough from God. I get enough revelation. I've, I've, I, I went to, I graduated Bible school three years ago. Well, what have you done since? That's right. That's right. What's the last revelation? You should get rhema every day. You should get something from God every day. So many people in the church don't, man. They don't get it. It's so easy to walk in the life he's called us to live in. It says in Ephesians 2.18, one of my favorite scriptures, it says that through him, Jesus, we both, Jew and Gentile, have access by one spirit to the Father. So this is what it should look like. Right here. Father, I thank you. You get on your knees. You spend the, you spend the morning with them, afternoon with them, whatever, whatever your time with them is. But make sure you have it. Just, God, I thank you. I love you so much. I thank you for this rhema that you gave me today. I thank you, Lord, that I'm gonna use it. I'm gonna carry it and take it wherever I go. Lord, give me a word for somebody. Let me be a vessel for somebody. Let me pay for somebody's meal. I don't care what it is. Just speak to me. Never let me stop hearing you. Never let me leave your side. Your word says, he who dwells in the secret, high, secret place of the Almighty, uh, the most high shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, I wanna be under your shadow all days, and I just ask that you would continue to speak to me, continue to use me. Walk away. You go to Starbucks. Walk in. No, I got an even better one. Hillary and I and some other people, we went to, where we go to eat? That makes, Chewy's. And we were there, and as soon as I walked in, it was just a day of I was having that, and this was what, a month ago? And we walk in, and I just see our server. And I, I just, I felt the love of God like never before for a server. And I just, I can't, I, I literally had to go to the restaurant. I was like, I was burning. I was like, man, what am I going to do? Because, Lord, I need to hear you. I, I know, I, I know this is you. So we keep going. I'm just quiet a lot. And, you know, I'm just sitting there thinking, Lord, what do you want me to do? She comes back, gives us her uh, bill, a tip. I'm not going to say what, but it's about four times of what my bill was. And I just, she comes back, I said, hey, I wanna hand you this, but I don't wanna just hand you this. I wanna tell you that Jesus has spotlighted you. He loves you so much. He's so proud of you. I don't know what you're going through. I know you're going through a rough season, but he wants to make everything better. And she just starts weeping. Just starts weeping, man. And it's not, it's not what I did. Please don't think I'm bragging on what I did. I, I could care less what money I gave her. All my money is for the kingdom. I could care less what happens to it. My mom's probably sitting here going, well, you don't have bills yet, so you don't know. But, but, but that's what this is. You receive from him what he wants to do, the mysteries of the gospel. You receive the mysteries from heaven. You wouldn't have known carnally that, he wanted, that God wanted you to bless somebody with money. You wouldn't have known carnally that God just gave you a prophetic word for someone while you're running on the treadmill. You wouldn't know this stuff if you didn't get it from him. It takes a two-way street. He wants to touch every person you come across. And that's where, that's where the last point goes, to see the world and to be the church. We've got to see the world, be the church. See, we saw so much judgment from Israel, or God on Israel, so much. And that's why I didn't want to do Amos. That's why I didn't want to read it, because I said, Jeff, this has nothing good about it. It's all bad. And then the Holy Spirit said, keep reading. And there's this one part where it's just this restoration of God. 
and I'm going to read it. It says, On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David, that means Jesus, which has fallen down and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles, the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does this thing. He restored you, man. Ephesians, it says that there's redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. There's a lot of people that they think their sins are going to crawl back up to them and they're going to come back and haunt them. Do you know that he forgot your sins? Jeremiah, it says somewhere, I think 31, that he forgives and he forgets all that you did that was wrong. We live this lifestyle mentality and we've, every, everybody here is, is spoken, has spoken on it. We live like such slaves. The church will not, we will not see revival. The, the church prays for so much revival in America. But we will not see revival in America until we see revival in the church. The church has to be the church outside of church to the church before the church goes and reaches the lost. Man, last week they would send us on outreaches at this conference after sessions. And the Holy Spirit, he was showing me something. Every person that I asked if they need a prayer, they were a Christian or they claimed to be a Christian. And not every one of them would let me pray for them. There were times where Casey and I, we went and prayed for a woman at Dillard's. And we just, Casey asked her, she stepped out and she said, hey, can we pray for you? And she goes, no. She goes, I say my prayers at night. I thought, you may need some hands on you today, you know. <laughs> but, but for real, we talked to her and she, she, she's like, I don't want prayer. I'm in a bad season. And Casey goes, look, God just, he, he highlighted you. You stuck out to him. And she goes, really? How do you know that? Man, I'm glad Casey is there because I go, oh, shoot, that's a good question, you know? <laughs> I usually know, but it caught me off guard. So, so she answers, she goes, he just loves you. His love's all over you. And she goes, well, this person took a million dollars from me, took all my retirement money, so I have to work here the rest of my life. Why, why, why should I be okay? Whew, man, she said she was a Christian. Yet there was so much unforgiveness, so much bitterness. She told us some other things, and I just started encouraging her. I said, look, look, I don't know what you've been through. Um, I can't relate, but I can tell you that he loves you, and he's not done. And if, he, if, if the enemy could take away a million, he can restore double. And I said, please, just let us pray for you. No, not on my job. So we keep talking to her. I said, look, I'm not trying to beat around the, I'm not trying to just bark. Oh, shoot, I forgot the, like you, I don't know. Bombard, thank you, okay. Gosh, I was like, what in the world is that word? Oh, man. Praise God. I wasn't trying to bombard you, but I just need to pray with you. Ten seconds, that's all I want. I just need ten seconds. Okay, fine. Pray with her. Pray, and I, and I even prayed forgiveness over that she would give forgiveness to the man because she kept saying she wasn't going to forgive him. She wanted a place that God would let her forgive whenever, it was, whenever she wanted to, which is wrong, but we can go on that in another day. And then I said, amen, and I looked at her. Casey and I looked at her, and she's just weeping, like tears down her face. I said, we love you, bless you. Walk away. I'm crying, man. 
it hit me. I said, there's such a church. They don't even know. They don't even know what the love of God really is. That the church has been so lost so long. How can we expect to reach people when we can't even reach our own people? There's so many people that walk into a building Sundays and Wednesdays every week. They claim to be a title. They relate to certain people. They walk out and they're still lost. There's people, they think they're Christians, but they're not. They're not. There's people that they don't live forgiveness and they don't understand that if they can't forgive somebody, their Father in heaven can't forgive them. But nobody tells them that because we've lived so long with the filter around the church. We're afraid to tell them the truth. We've spent so much time, forgive me, but we've spent so much time talking about how homosexuality is bad, talking about being drunk is bad. But when we judge somebody, what's even better? What, what's, what makes that any better? That's why those people don't come into church. They, they're no different. They just, their sin's more evident than yours. We spent so much time with it. We've got to reach every person. I don't care if I'm talking to a Muslim. I don't care if I'm talking to someone dealing with, that, with, with homosexuality or somebody that lies all the time or somebody that's angry all the time. Because if I don't show them love, somebody may never show them love. Somebody may never touch them. Everywhere you go, you have a purpose to be there. And that has hit me like nothing else. I can't go anywhere without walking in and going, Lord, what's my purpose? Without encouraging somebody, without praying for somebody. He has wrecked my life since Sunday. Everywhere I go, I can't help it. I was running on the treadmill the other day. And as I'm running, I was proud of myself for running. (laughs) And then he gives me a word and I go, is this why you wanted me to run? So I get done. And I go out, and it's, a, it's somebody next door. I said, hey, I just need to talk to you real quick. Okay, what's up? I pull her aside, and I said, hey, um, you stuck out to me. The Lord put you on my heart when I was running. And um, he loves you so much. He hears your prayers. He hears every single prayer. This new season in your life is going to be the best season yet. You're going to have to make decisions. But every decision you make is going to be correct because you're going to trust in him and listen and wait for him. She's tearing up starts crying says before I came to work today I was making my rounds and I was an in-depth prayer and everything you just said confirmed that he heard me had I not obeyed that had I thought it was my mind she she could still be going well Lord do you hear me everywhere we go looked at a guy last night said, hey, man, um, the Lord's telling me, I, all I keep hearing is Joshua. You're going to lead people into the promised land. You're going to teach them how to contend for prayer. So if that means that just like them marching around seven times, waiting for that prayer to bust in and break down those walls, it's going to happen. Man starts weeping, says, you're the fourth person to tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy. It's so easy. If you obey him, if you, if you tell him I'm going to be a vessel, if you be a conduit correctly, I promise you, It's so much fun. It wrecks you. You can't go anywhere without being Jesus. You can't. I tell you guys all the time, I can teach what I know. I can teach you this whole message, but I can only reproduce who I am. I'm only going to reproduce who I am. So how are you reproducing? Because regardless, regardless of where you are, if you're sitting at a restaurant and someone across the room, they could still watch how you act. 
They could still see what you're doing. And it's not just for Pastor Joel. It's not just for Jeff or Amy. It's for everybody. Every person. The greatest offense that you could ever commit is not demonstrating the love of the Father to every person you encounter. It's the greatest, greatest offense. Are you going to be punished for it? No. But they might. Because everywhere you go, someone's going to hell unless you reach them. We can't expect somebody else to do it. I spent too much time expecting somebody else to reach someone to Jesus. And because of that, I've allowed too many opportunities to go by. Who knows what could have happened? But until the church becomes the church outside of here, we're not going to see a difference being made. Amos spent so much time just saying, Lord, forgive them. Because God would come in and say, hey, I'm going to bring down fire or something really drastic. And he would say, Lord, no, forgive them. Lord, forgive them. Lord, seize. Lord, seize. And I don't want to see that anymore. I don't want to have to repent for the church. I want to see the church go out and do the miracles that the disciples did and even greater. We can do greater miracles than Jesus did. The Bible tells us that. And the Bible also says it's impossible for God to lie. So he's not going to lie to you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then it goes on and it says he did not send his son to condemn the world but to save the world. But we have done such a good job at condemning the world. The world's the people. There's no condemnation to those who are in Jesus. But the, I, I, I personally believe that that also means that we don't condemn others. Yeah. Judgment's condemnation, and condemnation's judgment. But we're supposed to be merciful, and mercy triumphs over judgment. Yeah. So blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Are you with me? Have the worship team come up, please.